Hi everyone, welcome. Welcome to the very first episode of Tea with Mama Cash, because feminist activism works. We are your hosts, Zora Musa and Happy Mwende Kinyeli. Hi, I'm Zora. I'm the executive director at Mama Cash, and we were asked to include a bio. So my bio is, I really like yellow. And I'm happy I'm the director of programs at Mama Cash. And my bio is a shameless pitch for my mother's mangoes. They're the best mangoes ever. So send me an email if you want me to hook you up with mangoes. So we both work at Mama Cash and we have some pretty inspiring colleagues. And they're always thinking about how else we can get the message out about the work that we do and the incredible activists that we have the privilege to support and that we are interested to support. So... You might think it might be really hard to convince us to do a podcast, but we were just cycling over to the studio and trying to remember how how did that person convince us? Yeah. And it was pretty much an email that went to Zora and I, do you want to do a podcast? Then Zora was like, sure. And then a few minutes later, I was like, when? Like, no complications. I mean, we have, you will discover as you listen to this podcast that we have opinions about many things, some things that we have no business having opinions about, and we'll try to keep those off the air. But we have opinions about some stuff. And we also know really amazing people that we think you need to hear their opinions about as well and their experiences. So this podcast is just that. It's a space for us to talk about feminist activism at work and why feminist activism works. Today, we're talking about feminism. Because it seems like everybody is talking about feminism. But what is feminism? What is a feminist? When does one become a feminist? How does one become a feminist? Where are the feminists? We're also going to talk a little bit about feminism is something we do in our lives, something we do every day in our work for some people. For some people, it's their, how they move around, why they move around. And what are the differences that come up for people when you're talking about building feminist movements, for example, strengthening feminist movements? What are feminist movements? And we're going to talk also about how Mama Cash is involved in this whole process of feminist movements. I think for me, the topic is interesting because I'm hearing a lot more people use the word, of course, um, but I'm also hearing people who I wouldn't expect to be using the word, using the word, and sometimes people using the the word in a way that I don't use it. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to kind of explore what is that? What Do we all know what we mean when we use the word feminist? So Mm -hmm. do we all see the same, my beautiful yellow, when we say yellow? Or are people actually looking at green and calling it yellow? Yeah, I think I come from a deeply cynical place. So there's some people who are walking around the world calling themselves feminist, and I'm like... Somebody's paying you. Who's paying you? Tell me who's paying you so that I can be paid too or something. But there's, there's with the f- proliferation of the word feminist, I also feel there's ways, for me, it calls into question what is that idea of feminist that you're ascribing to and why are you saying that versus um, I'm a socialist or some other ideology that, yeah, it makes me a little bit suspicious. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I do sometimes think, though, that we can get into definition conflicts, mm, that's right? True. And so endless debates about, well, who's got the real feminism? What's the real truth about feminism? Who's got the right definition? Who gets to call themselves a feminist? Mm-hmm. You know, we have those jokes about, do you have your feminist membership card? How did you get yours? <laughs> and you're going to revoke your card. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You're in the club. You're not in the club. So I'm cautious around that, around the policing of who's in and mm-hmm. who's out. At the same time, I do think 
the political frames matter and the fact that it's a political movement matters. But I think I agree with you completely. And I think also with... um because now there's some spaces in which you do get mileage or you get some some access when co- by calling yourself feminist that makes me I don't know like I hear I don't want to police it but I'm like you're gaining something from this and I don't know if it's actually because you're willing to be in the struggle because I think feminism is also a struggle or are you just for the couple of minutes you'll get you know I I think it was last year during Valentine's for the first time I saw a meme about picking up somebody who's a feminist and I was like maybe it's the ne- it's somebody I'm trying to get somebody to go on a date with me and I'm going to call myself a feminist or something like that but but I hear you it's not it's not our lines to police and say you're in you're out but why do you think everybody wants to call themselves a feminist these days yeah that resonates with me also in terms of your previous point about it being really current right now um, and what do people mean by it the, the part where I do get worried, let's call it, is um, when it becomes so popular that people are invoking it and using it. Um, and we, we don't know why. And what does it do to the movements mm-hmm. where people are actually dealing with some important struggles? Um, if the kind of feminism that's getting coverage or whatever is feminism light, let's call it. And it's seen as a club that you can join, right? That's that's how some people are talking about feminism now. Everybody's a feminist. Wear the feminist t-shirt. And I can understand wanting to have a kind of appeal to a mass, right? It's important that our movements have breadth mm-hmm. and spread and we build movements through through power of people. So it's important that there are a lot of people on board. But what are they signing up to really? Mm-hmm. And that then makes me think, what is the responsibilities we have to do popular education so that actually everybody knows what it is they're signing up for and understands the struggles and there's few of us doing feminism light, but actually putting in the commitment, I think the heart, the soul that is necessary to move, yes, build feminist struggles, but also build feminist beauty and feminist joy all around us. Happy, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What does feminism actually mean to you? So I won't answer that question exactly. I'll answer what does feminism bring to me. Okay. So I think the most important thing feminism brings to me is community. So a lot of times when I'm moving around the world and thinking, oh crap, the world doesn't make sense. I meet other people for whom the world doesn't make sense in a similar way. And we can think together and plot together about how we want to build a world that makes sense. And I don't know, I I value that deeply because most of the time I kind of, people think I'm a little odd. So <laughs> that it's not the whole world that thinks that I'm odd. There's like three people who are odd with me. That gives me, that gives me something. So otherwise you're just a, a lonely kind of odd person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this, sto- <laughs> this stops that. Okay. Yeah. What about you? What does feminism mean to you or bring to you? Yeah. For me, I'd say the same. It's not about what it means to me exactly. Um, I think what it brings to me, the simple answer is it brings purpose. Hmm. Um, I think I find a lot of energy for, for kind of 
moving through life um, from what I know and believe and experience about feminism. So it's a kind of guide, it's a frame, um, it's definitely community. It is a way to relate to other people, but it's also a way to relate to the world. I can mm -hmm. make sense of particular things happening when I ha when I kind of invoke a feminist understanding about it, right? So things that don't make sense otherwise or seem, for example, really unjust or unfair, um, I can hold those in a different way when I can hold them within feminism. I can see, okay, that person's doing such and such because um, patriarchy trains us to behave in this way in relation to each other around gender, mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. And have there been moments where that hasn't happened for you, where you haven't been able to make sense of something that's happening through feminism? I think what does happen to me is I you lose it, right? So, so I go through an experience and I'm just so frustrated by the experience and I can take it personally or I can um, want to get angry with a person at a personal level and forget that they're only acting out exactly the way they were trained mm -hmm. to act out. And of course I can have a fight with them, but good for me and good for them. And it doesn't really do anything for either of us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fundamentally change anything. So it's not that, I don't mean that feminism offers the answer <laughs> always. <laughs> it's the key, everybody. I don't mean exactly that, although it is the key and you should all use it. I mean that it it's a helpful guide for me. And the times when I've got confused is when I'm forgetting how these things operate in systems. Mm -hmm. And um, I get, I you know, you get a bit mediocre in your response and you take it personally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I asked the question because recently I was having a conversation with a friend about what's the purpose of all these ideologies. And I have moments where I feel the things you're striving for are utopic and they matter, they're real, but it feels like, will that ever happen? So why are we hanging on to this frame? So... For example, for me, one of the things I find so valuable about feminism is it's a frame through which so many different oppressions can be understood and responded to. But then I look at the world and like, but where is that place where there's people living together in community without oppressions or not without oppressions, but resisting all these oppressions and managing to do that successfully? And like, so what's the purpose of the ideology if it's not... If it's not getting us there, it's just helping us paint a picture that's beautiful to look at, but it's just that, a picture. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that's there's a lot there. A couple of things that makes me think about. One is, um, I, don't, I don't actually find feminism that good at painting the future picture. Oh. I find it very good at helping me to understand the world and interrogate the world. Why is this like this and why is it like that? And in particular, I find feminism useful in terms of how it helps me understand power. Mm. And I think that's feminism's gift to the world, yeah. is uh, an offer to, an invitation to everybody to think about power and to look at where it's working for us, where it's not working for us, how it's organized, what's good about it, what's not, etc. So that's that's feminism's offer. But I don't think feminism offers the solution. It doesn't say, follow these three steps and you will arrive mm -hmm. at the utopia. I think the, the 
part of feminism that's ideological is about the power, but the part about feminism that's about movement building is not about one solution. It's about creative engagement with each other to figure out what we want to do about the fact that we now are looking at power differently. I think I agree with you with that, like what feminism offers the world is the analysis around power. I think it also offers us a different way to engage with power. Mm -hmm. And that is the painting of the visions that if we engage with power in these other ways, then we could strive closer to more just, fair, beautiful worlds. And because we are products of this world that is unjust, that is messed up and looks like it does, we we fall short of that of those ways of engaging with power differently. There's way the ways that power operates often it's it's not natural. Maybe it's just easier because those are the neural pathways in our brains that have been crafted over time. And we have to create new pathways to engage with power in different ways. And I feel as falling short of that. And those are moments I get really frustrated and like, why do I spend so much time thinking about investing in feminist, both the ideology and also the community part, right? Because these ideas are beautiful on paper, but unless we put them where the rubber meets the road, they don't, I don't think they offer us that much. And when we, when you go out in community, it's like we we fall short and then I get frustrated. Like, let's just throw all these things out the road and I don't know what the alternative is, but I just get the frustrated part. And so the frustration for you is that we haven't got a picture or that we're not there yet? We're not there yet. And, uh-huh. and, and we fall, okay, maybe, remember I said I'm a cynical human being. I feel so, like we fall so gloriously, like so <laughs> we fall so short and... And then, yes, we have to get up and focus a little bit also on the things that we are building. So that's why, other than my mother's mangoes, I should start saying I'm learning to look for beauty. Because, yes, we we fall short, but also, yeah, we build, I guess. And the things we build matter. So I'm, I'm going around again and saying maybe it is useful. I don't know. <laughs> so one of the things I'm coming to appreciate more and more is just the value of of being, right? So... The fact that um, there are many forces operating against you and me in particular to even exist, mm-hmm. to to live joyously, to live fully, and the fact that we continue to persist is an act of resistance, but also the fact that we can do it in joy, mm-hmm. laughing, playing, for me that is part of the vision. So our ancestors dreamed of the possibility for us to Mm. talk together on a podcast. And in particular, our two ancestors, right? Our ancestors were deliberately pit against each other. And so we get to to play on the radio together. And for me, that's, that was someone's dream of a feminist utopia. Mm. And we've made it happen, I guess. And yeah, I hear that. So Zora, tell me, we've talked about feminisms as these ideologies and frames and communities. What do you think about the idea that feminism is something that you live every day, that is something personal, something that shows up in your actions? And what do you also think of the idea of can you be a feminist if you're not an activist? Yeah, so that's a big question. <laughs> I. I somehow think no. And 
I'm not convinced that's the right answer, but part of me kind of thinks, I think no, because feminism is not a, is not a passive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a struggle, as we've talked about. It's a, it's a movement. Of course, it's an ideology. But if you're calling yourself a feminist, if you're claiming the label, then I expect some activity on, on your side, on one side, to be doing that. So for me, the question would be like, okay, what counts as activism? Mm-hmm. So that could be a question, right? So we are both paid to do feminism. And, you know, uh, my partner jokes with me, like, you're, you're an office feminist. Um, so we can talk about that kind of where is it activism? Uh, can you, can you, can your paid work still be activism or not, etc. But for me, if you're, if you're calling yourself a feminist, then yes, there's some kind of activity on your part mm-hmm. that is about challenging the system, changing the system in some way. And for mm-hmm. me, that then yes. And that also, I imagine, would tie to, it's the everyday embodied actions that make you a feminist. Um, so if you're getting up and in conversations with, so I grew up in um, Nairobi where we had public transport that were called matatus, so matatu drivers, and you're engaging with a matatu driver and he's telling you, you can't sit at the front because women don't sit at the front. And you have a conversation with that. That makes you a feminist and makes you an activist, you would say. For me, yeah, I think so, because you're directly challenging patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. As embodied by a particular person and their enforcement through their particular realm, right? He has authority over the Matutu. Mm -hmm. So you're going, okay, authority figure, I challenge you on this point. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. I see that. I think I agree with you definitely that it's, for me, it's not, can a feminist be an activist? It's a question of what counts as activism. Mm -hmm. And again, like we talked earlier about what's in and out. I think that there's a popular idea of what is an activist. And most people, whenever I say to them, I'm an activist or I work for activist organizations, they think I'm marching on the streets, throwing water bombs and stuff like that. And it's not that you're not, yeah? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I don't know if people should hear that. <laughs> I march on the streets sometimes, occasionally throw water bombs. Um, but that that is one form of, fem- of activism. I think there's many forms of activism that... Sometimes you're able to be paid for your activist work, but that for all capitalist reasons gets into gray areas for me. But also that um, you sit down and you have conversations with people at the dinner table about who should be making dinner, who should be washing up the dishes. And that's activism for me as well. And if you're a feminist and you do that work, then definitely you're an activist. Mm -hmm. I do have a question there about something like the word scale. So, for mm. instance, it's true that I'm, I'm paid, right? So I'm paid to do work that contributes to feminist movement building. And for some people, that therefore is not activism. And if, if we go along the lines of what we were just talking about, that anyone who chooses to, to confront or try to reshape the reality they're living in to a more, you know, gender just one, a feminist one, then they're an activist in some way, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're doing activism. But say they do that like, I don't know, twice a year or something like that Mm. compared to the fact that I'm putting in many hours a week into my work towards building and supporting feminist movement building. Am I, why am I not allowed to call that activism because I get paid for it? 
so for me, the paid for isn't the thing that makes it complicated in my head is that you're getting, I don't know, the paid for piece, uh-huh. because there's something about the transactional nature of the work that makes it, can you actually say no to some things um, because you're getting paid for them? Is it about the struggle? Is it about the paycheck that makes it fuzzy the scale like um, the question somebody who does it two times in the year then I'd be like you're not let's not call you an activist let's call you somebody who does activism twice a year right that's who you are Um, and that matters because there's people whose lives are on the lines and we should recognize like there's something different even between us who are paid and people whose lives are on the line so there's something about different um, grades if I um, don't like the word grades, it makes it feel school. Different degrees, different degrees of activist work and different struggles that people's lives are on the line about. But when it comes to paid, I'm like, I don't know, it feels transactional. And the transactional nature is what makes me sit uncomfortably with paid activism. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I take the point about how free are you to determine your own choices and priorities in in the feminist work you're doing when you're paid by an organization, for example, versus mm-hmm. when you're crafting with your collective members, your, your feminist comrades, okay, yeah. we're going to go do this. But um, the comparison you made about, you know, life being on the line, the feminism I did in the UK, for example, my life was not on the line. That doesn't mean it wasn't feminist activism. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's something there around... Um, yeah, some people are under different kinds of threats. That's not what makes it activist or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it's something I wonder about because I, I, I do have some choices around what I get to do at work, for example, right? Especially in the position I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And what I can get done for feminist movements in this position dwarfs what I was able to do as an activist. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I kind of think like, yeah, it's true. I get paid for it, right? I, I get I benefit from doing it like this. So for me, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I I can contribute a lot from here, from this position, doing this. The idea of dwarfing, like what you contribute now, is more than what you contributed in past um, feminist activist roles or jobs. I don't know. That makes me also wonder. It makes me wonder how, like, what does it mean for, like, positional power mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a thought that comes to my head. Because I think that there's something about what we count as large, mm-hmm. important work and what 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 doesn't get counted that way. So there's something very important for me, like... I think of some of my feminist giants. One of my the people I hold closest to my heart is my grandmother. She wouldn't call herself a feminist, but and her reach wasn't that large. But the way she lived her life for me was was just that. Like she lived she lived out feminist principles, and I would call her an activist in this moment in life because she and but the scale like it wasn't big. And I think there's something valuable there also about activism and how we impact, um, how we define what impact means is how I would think about it. Definitely. And I think one thing I wouldn't want to do is com- 
compare with each other. Mm-hmm. So I speak in reference to myself about what I can get done in different positions, not about what I can get done compared to someone else doing something different. Mm, I hear that. Cuerpo de quienes de nosotras, derechos de quienes de nosotras, decisiones de quienes de nosotras. Cruda Cubensi, one more time, representing women and queer people choices. You've just been listening to My Body is Mine by Crudas Kubensi from the album Femsi's Flow Feminista, which featured rap and hip-hop from 16 different artists from Latin America, the Caribbean and Spain. Crudas Kubensi is an activist hip-hop group with black, feminist, queer and vegan politics, and they're part of the Cuban diaspora in the US. And in 2014, they collaborated with 15 other women and feminist artists on an album called Femsi's Flow Feminista, produced by Kalala Women's Fund. Mama Kasha supported the fund since 2010. For those of you out there who didn't catch the lyrics, they start off with, get your rosaries out of our ovaries, get your doctrines out of our vaginas. That last one actually rhymes in Spanish, so it sounds a lot better when it's in Spanish. The FEMC's Flow Feminista album was created by the Kalala Women's Fund to raise money for feminist activism across Central America and Spain. You can learn more about Las Crudas at www.crudascubensi.com and about Kalala at www.kalala.com. And we'll share all the links on this in the show notes. At Mama Cash, we get to see and hear about all kinds of feminist activism, some really inspiring, amazing work. Happy, can you say a little bit about what have you been hearing about lately that you're excited to share? Mm. Yeah, so... Today, actually, I was having a conversation with one of our advisors who's based in Brazil, and she was sharing about what um, the context in Brazil Brazil right now is very tense and things, you know, shit is blowing up. Um, And in that context where activists are getting killed, um, people who are protecting land rights are getting killed, there's a community of um, black women who've come together and they've decided they actually want to make space where they can strategize, be together and plot about the world they want to be building and how they want to resist what's happening in Brazil. So they've started coming together and they're building up to a conference they want to have towards the end of the year. And they're thinking from, I mean, we're in April, May, we're in May right now, and they've already started thinking about the methodology, how they're going to make that space productive, creative and beautiful. And that those are the kinds of things that and just excites me and make me hopeful because it's not just seeing shit blowing up. It's, okay, that's happening and this is how we're going to build and this is how we're going to resist. What about you? Anything you've heard about that's exciting you? Yeah, a couple of things actually are really exciting me right now. So one of them is some of the cross-movement work I'm seeing. And what I mean by cross-movement work is not just feminists working with other social movement actors. Definitely that, right? So... Um, feminist movements working with environmental justice movements, for example. I always find that important. But I also mean, maybe cross-movement's not the right word, but um, it's kind of 
intermovement collaboration. So because stuff is getting very serious in many contexts, I I've been seeing feminists who are really expert on very particular things showing up for other feminists and saying, what do you need? And here's what I can offer. And is that useful to you? And taking direction from the other, right? So not saying I have this technical knowledge, let me teach you how to do this, but going, I have a skill. Where are you at with what you're trying to do? And how can I contribute to what you're trying to get done? Um, how can I support you to to resist and to thrive and to build what you're trying to do? And I find I find that really important um, because I think often it's gone the other way, right? Where the, the technical people or the people who have skills are determining what the movement should be doing. And I'm, I'm seeing it go differently. And I'm thinking in particular, people who are very expert, for example, around digital security. I'm seeing a lot of feminists who are, who are femtechs, right? Who are kind of, um, have very sophisticated knowledge about digital security, just showing up for feminists who are really shy about technology or a bit overwhelmed by it, or are, you know, probably mm-hmm. doing things that the digital security people are like, oh my God, why did you just know you can't just put all your passwords in a Word document and label it passwords and then save it on your desktop, which I haven't done that, but you know, in the realm of that. And I I really appreciate that. I appreciate people showing up with their skills to help other movements um, mm-hmm. that aren't from what they would consider their immediate movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is beautiful. I think of... Um like more and more the the movements or the actions, let me say that, the actions that get seen in the media a lot. So I don't know why, as you're talking, Standing Rock came to my head. And I think that those are moments where people from so many different parts of of different social movements come together and agree we need to do this one thing because it's important collectively for all our struggles. And... I see that also happen in ways that doesn't make it to the mainstream media. And that is so beautiful because like um, people come together, they cook, they fight, they they show up and paint walls as part of the process of building building resistance and building communities that are able to withstand. And um, I think of... so. In my day-to-day work, I often read a lot about different groups around the world and the work that they're doing and these snippets of things like that that show up where one of our, our partners um, who do tech work, they, they do a lot of um, online mobilization and online um, sharing of information. And this one time, they were part of around... 400 organizations that came together to do online and in-person mobilizations to resist violence that was happening in their context. And they came up and they're like, we can get people moving and we can spread the word and moving from the online context to the in-person context. And they had masses of people show up. And when I was reading the list, I'm like page after page after page of organizations that are showing up and they're resisting this one act of violence. And truly, it's like amazingly beautiful and powerful to know we're making those connections. And this is these are the ways we're changing the world every day. Yeah, that really resonates with me. And I think that was also what I was um, inspired by lately. And um, I'm interested when it's uh, cross-movement, inter-movement. And one of the things I'm interested right now in is is the intergenerational mm. work. So um, I have had a chance to witness 
um, some intergenerational dialogues between feminists. And um, I appreciate that, I think, a lot um, in terms of just the the recognition that um, we have things to learn from each other. And it, it is a dialogue. It's, it's two-way. And I've also been thinking a lot lately about who are the ones that accompany us uh, to be able to carry out what we're we're trying to do who walks with us and or rides with us or whatever's with us moves with us and how do we as mama cash for example how do we support that accompaniment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even how as mama cash how do we accompany people right in in the fact that we're not in all these different places in the world and there's so much important resilient feminist work happening so how can we accompany that and yeah it's a life question we struggle with that every day i think some days we are much better at accompanying than others and when we fail at it i think it's it's not just in abstraction like you know it was a poor performance no it's like real people's lives like we did not show up um, we were asked to show up and we did not show up and it's a constant question i sit with a lot like what does it mean if we want to show up for all the different movements we we claim we're part of and we're in solidarity with? Thanks so much for joining us for this first episode of Tea with Mama Cash, the podcast that says Because Feminist Activism Works. You can find us at mamacash.org and everywhere on social media. So please find us and tell us what you thought. Um, was it interesting? Do you want us to never show up on the podcast world again? Were you amazed and you can hardly wait to hear from us? We really want to hear from you. You can also subscribe to the podcast on many channels, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you could leave a review, that would be awesome because that'll help more folks outside of our networks and like me, my mom and Happy's mom with her mangoes listen to us, but some other people too. And if you do sign up, you'll never miss a new episode. Like the next one, we'll be talking about money. Will the revolution be funded? Will it come from the words of beautiful people? Can we dismantle the master's house with the master's tools? Or do we need to, you know, take down capitalism? So that's us, your hosts, Happy Mwenda Kinili and Zora Musa signing off on this episode. Thanks. Thanks. This podcast was produced by Amanda Gickler and Sophia Sewell, our colleagues at Mama Cash, in collaboration with the fabulous Natalia Trucci. And we recorded this episode in Studio Amsterdam with help from Nick DeWitt, who also did the audio post-production.